On this episode of First Lady and Friends, it was very unique. We are doing a double episode with First Lady and Friends and Salt Lake County Mayor Jenny Wilson and her podcast, County Conversations. We talk about civility. We talk about how we can connect as communities. Uh, we're, we're really excited for you to take a listen to this episode. Let's get proximate. Welcome back to First Lady and Friends. This is actually a really interesting episode because it's not only First Lady and Friends, but it is also County Conversations with Mayor Jenny Wilson. I am so excited for for this episode. This is going to be a really fun conversation, um, just really getting to know um, you, Jenny, and and for me, and then we we have a lot to talk about. This is going to be fun. Oh, absolutely. I've been looking forward to this. And, you know, I've been watching you and your husband, of course, in these fairly early days of his time in office as governor. And I've been impressed. I've been impressed with you and I wanted to get to know you better. So what a great opportunity to do that. And you as well. I've, I've admired you for a very long time. Um, I think we we need to look at our women in politics and make sure that we have those voices. We've talked about that on this show a lot. And um, you're a powerful example of, of a really incredible voice in this space. Well, thank you. I want to thank you for hitting it from day one. I mean, you created your podcast. I've looked at some of the uh, programs that you've done and listened to it a little bit and really want to compliment you for being intentional in your role. Um, you know, I think women in politics can mean, in your case, having influence um, in the public space, given you are an opinion leader and you are right there at the heart of uh, caring for our state, showing leadership. So thank you for being uh, so active uh, this early in your term. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we've we've actually had a lot of fun doing it and um, and just meeting incredible people. And I'm sure you have too. Um, you know, we we let's maybe we start by talking about civility and um, just maybe the the environment, the the political environment that we that we find ourselves in. How do you? I mean, I get people asking me all the time. How do you? How do you? stay in this how do you how do you handle things like that what what are your thoughts on on that kind of thing well to be honest it's been a hard time right i mean we see such division right now but i also see our next generation i mean my kids are 19 just left for college as a transfer student he's second year college and then i have a, a son in high school and I look at their peers, I look at their vision, I look at their hope for the future, uh, and I look at their interest kind of in um, leading without such definition around party. And part of the reason I, you know, I kind of wonder, because I come from this lifelong Democratic family, and I believe in partisanship to a certain degree, but I also believe in civility. And uh, my older son is not as partisan, and I actually think that is a good thing. Because this next generation is is being turned off by division, so I compliment you for making civility such a um, focal point of your time as first lady. And um, you know, I think right now the division is hard. It's affecting health right now. It's affecting our ability, I think, to um, come to agreement with common ground solutions. And that's had to be like for my time in office, a fundamental um, component of my day-to-day doing business. I mean, I've worked as a councilwoman. 
with um, Republicans trying to forge coalitions across party lines. I see myself as a mayor to all 1.2 million residents in this county, regardless of party. So the idea that civility can help bridge partisan divide, thank you for that. But just civility day to day, I feel right now we're seeing, unfortunately, not as much civility neighbor to neighbor. And I know you've worked to overcome that. I try as well. And there's just so much on our plate. So um, long-winded way of saying I feel, I um, face it and feel it. I work with my team every day to, to try and work uh, as well as we can. Um, across party lines, we do that often very well at Salt Lake County, sometimes with some hiccups. But I'm also encouraging people around me to show that kindness one to another, regardless of um, their neighbor, their the differences they may have, a difference in the workplace. We've, we've got to put ourselves in someone else's shoe, show that empathy. And I was taught that from my childhood, and I, I hope I embody that in my day-to-day governance. I think, I hope, I think most of us were taught that, and I think um, a lot of us have forgotten it, <laughs> especially when it comes to, um, yeah, political tribalism is strong. It's powerful. It's a it's a hell of a drug. Um, and I think it, it takes a lot to combat that. But I think you're also exactly right. I find what you're finding in your children, in my children as well. I think they don't care about partisan parties. I guess they just it, it doesn't mean as much to them. Um, they really do think about other people and what they're going through, which is beautiful. So I, I hope that's true for for everyone because I think our generation, this generation coming up, is going to be. They're so much better than we are. They're so much better at this, and, and they're gonna they're gonna get there. They're going to get us there. Um, this idea of being proximate, it's its just changed my life, I guess. Um, I think being proximate to people that are different from me has really enriched my life in so many ways and, and taught me things that I, I never would have learned otherwise. Um, I think it encourages uh, empathy. Um, but so... Talk to me a little bit about this, I guess, how do you get proximate to to people maybe that have a different story? Well, I think what a mayor needs to do is listen, right? And we have a lot of communications that come in. I actually have staff in the room today who join me who are in charge of helping me um, sift through a lot of the communications that come in. And I read our reports every week and the communications coming in. And we, I try, um, it's harder during COVID, yeah. but I try and be out as much as I can. We started off, um, it seems like years ago, but it was only a couple of years ago when I took office as mayor, we were out, um, holding town halls throughout the county and trying to get a sense of what are the real priorities on people's mind with our government, right? Because government can feel very distant for people. And a, a government as large as a state, right, your challenge. I mean, you come from a relatively small town, right? But you look at your county growing up, and then you look at the largeness of the state and the challenge your husband has serving 29 counties, and then I have the largest county in the in the state. And it's hard to really understand What's on the hearts and minds of the people of Alta versus Magna versus, um, you know, Salt Lake City are all very different communities. And 
We have 27 municipalities now in Salt Lake County, and that's a lot. So with that, we're trying to better understand the needs at the local level. So I think it's, for me, it's engagement with our mayors, with our council members, with residents who speak out. Um, I participate in every council meeting to listen to public comment and try and take those comments to heart. Um, and, and that's my way. And I hope I can get back to as many, you know, evening events as we used to have in this community and, um, do as much as we were able to do in the early days. One of the reasons I fear, um, well, I believe it will get back to whatever the post COVID new normal looks like. And I hope that sooner than later. Um, but one of the things I feel, um, may take some time is just that ability to, you know, have every festival, fair, gathering, and just be as present. And it's not just because there are fewer and um, fewer meetings, perhaps, in person, but also the workload has shifted quite a bit, right? There's yeah. just a different amount of work being done to address um, both just this new normal living with COVID right now and trying to figure that out. So that's a lot to say in terms of a not really a quick answer to your question, but it's community engagement, um, listening to all communities in my county and listening to the public. Yeah, I think that's so true. I mean, we we talk about listening. It, it's active listening. It's it's actually sitting down. And, and it is hard um, in this day and age, in this time that we're living in, to, to really have those really in-depth conversations with neighbors, with friends, with family members even that maybe disagree with us. Um, but it's one of the... I saw a quote last night, and I had never seen this. It's from uh, John F. Kennedy. And he said, too often we enjoy the comfort of opinion without the discomfort of thought. That's a great quote. I'd never heard that. Have you heard that no, before? <laughs> I haven't. No. I, know. I thought it was beautiful. And it's actually, I've been thinking about it a lot and, and what that means for for how we interact with one another. And another one that I, that I has become like my mantra because I read it in a book by Adam Grant, Think Again, which is going to be our next book club book. But he says... Um, this quote, you you just need to keep saying this. And this is what I've been trying to say. Every time I get fired up about something, I say, I don't have enough information to, about that to have an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. That's. Yeah. And challenge so, your own assumptions. Yeah. You know, that's that's really key. Think like a scientist. Yes. In, in, instead of a, a preacher. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so you mentioned a book club. Tell me about your book club. Oh, it's been so much fun. So we did our first one uh, a few weeks ago, and it was Permission to Feel by Mark Brackett. Uh, very exciting. And then he came and we did our he we did a, a podcast with him. He was on our podcast uh, via Zoom and just had a great conversation about um, really the idea of emotional intelligence. Um my husband's also doing a book club. We do separate book clubs <laughs> with his cabinet and his um, senior staff. And they just did. Uh, oh, my goodness. It just left me a uh, team of rivals by um, Doris Goodwin Kearns or Kearns Goodwin. Yeah. Kearns Doris Goodwin. Kearns Goodwin. And she was actually um, able to call in on their Zoom. And so they they talked to her. And it was so fun because we were talking about this idea of emotional intelligence in 
uh, Lincoln yeah. and all the all the characteristics he has of emotional intelligence. Yeah. So it was really fun to ha- well, like combine those two from various historical figures, right? Presidents and others. Is it just presidents that she pulled from? Or should I ask this question of your husband? Since it's oh, his I know. Book I was going to say right? on Team of Rivals, it's it's him. It, it's about Lincoln, uh-huh. and it's. She ta- he basically took a lot of those rivals, the people that embarrassed him, people that ran against him, and brought him into his cabinet. Yeah, wow. And so she she basically it's kind of a biography of all those folks, and really what what Lincoln brought to the table. But connecting the two books, I thought it was really fun yeah. because we're talking about emotional intelligence, and and the way we connect with one another, and and. I just think that's all part of this idea of of civility, of kindness, of empathy, of connection and belonging. Um, and and Lincoln was really good at it. Yeah, so that was kind of amazing. fun to make that connection. Excellent. So tell me a little about your family and how, you know, I know that um, your husband was um, – making the commute up to the Capitol on a regular basis as lieutenant governor, but now you've got the mansion and you're here (laughs) and you're still got a working farm. Talk to me about your family and how this transition has been for them. Uh, Yeah. So he was commuting and we were living at home in Fairview in our, in San Pete County and just pretty much, you know, our lives didn't change a ton. I mean, our kids were still, our, Kids' lives, I guess, were, were still very much, and that was very much on purpose, to keep them grounded, keep them home. Um, kind of that physical separation from from the office and what was going on actually served as a really good barrier to sort of keep them away from the, the yucky parts of it as well. Um, but now we're in it. Um, three boys who have all, will all have left the nest by this, this week. Um, really tough wow. week for us. So uh, just lot, our two boys just started college again, and uh, our our son, our third son, will leave for his mission this this Friday. So it's it's going to be a tough one. But yeah, the transition has been interesting because our daughter just started school uh, here, and so we're your newest um, Salt Lake County residents. <laughs> oh, excellent! I'm, I don't live far from you, too. Oh yeah, I'll just uh, wave, wave when I walk the dog. You by can your see house. the boarded up windows. You, you you know you like what we've done with the place. <laughs> Right. <laughs> the mansion's under a little bit of a reconstruction, but all all is well. Um we'll we'll get there eventually. Um but no, it's been it's been really interesting. Um my job obviously been a stay-at-home mom for 22 years and am now really working a lot um in this and and really doing the things that I'm passionate about. So it's really fun. I mean, not very many people get to choose exactly what you want to do and just put all the greatest people around you to do it. And so it's actually been really rewarding for me to, you know, use my education background to use the the skills I've developed over these years um, to, to put forth the things that I'm passionate about and really try to make a difference and make a change. So it's, it's actually been really fun, um, but it's hard. Uh, being and as you know, elected office is is difficult. Um, people again have lots of opinions, and yeah, and the schedule is really really challenging. I know with your busy schedule, and then you add the I can't imagine just knowing how crazy my day is, how many meetings your husband has, and the demands are 
representing a full state, right? Yeah. That's a lot. So, yeah. well, my thanks go out to you and to him. I had a chance to get to know him a little bit on the state homeless coordinating committee um, when he chaired that. That was probably my first uh, regular interaction when I became uh, mayor of Salt Lake County and enjoyed that. And I'm happy to see him in office and doing so well. So and I appreciate he's um, a very approachable yeah. and a hands-on guy. And I'll tell you, I was out on a hike with my brother and sister-in-law the other day, and they were complimenting him, and I was oh. agreeing. So <laughs> they like his um, accessibility to the public. And I think it's great to have the perspective of rural Utah in this office. I think it's amazing. Yeah, I think it's it's a different perspective than than maybe we've had in the past, and, and it's it's – Keeps us grounded. We're we're very practical type people, so <laughs> we get that from, from being in rural Utah. But I want to continue this conversation. We'll be right back. Well, I'm Salt Lake County Mayor Jenny Wilson, and I am thrilled to be with the first lady of our state, Abby Cox, today. And what a great conversation. I um, have admired you and been watching your success. And um, one thing that came to my attention is your show up initiative. And um, I love the idea of showing up, right? You can't be a passive um, constituent now or a passive resident in order to make the change in your community that you want to see happen. So tell me a little about the show up initiative, uh, the thought behind it and where you're where it's taking you right now. Thank you. Um, you know, we in the last segment, we were talking a little bit about our rural roots. And I think a lot of this idea of show up is is really hearkening to a time when our communities were, you know, that Friday night in the gym feeling uh, that, that Ben Sass talks about in his book. But this idea that it didn't matter, uh, you know, when you're in a little community like this and you go to the ball game on on Friday night it didn't matter if the people cheering next to you were a Democrat or a Republican or whether, you know, the policies that they believed in or the president that they voted for or, you know, it just didn't matter. And I think it's important for us to sort of get back to that of connecting, of having empathy, of really serving one another in our communities and really taking care of the most vulnerable among us. So for me, the show up initiative is about all of that. It's about reconnecting our communities and and really creating empathy that I feel has been lost over the years um, for for one another. And so there are four focus areas in the initiative. Uh, they are um, social and emotional learning, uh, you know, that emotional intelligence that we talked about. We really want to give our educators that those skills as well as our children. We want to first start with our educators and then of course their teachers they're going to teach and they are going to give these children the the emotional intelligence skills that they need to be successful in life, to be successful in their careers, to be successful connected humans, which I think is going to be really powerful. The second focus area is foster care and again the most vulnerable among us. Um, These are kids who have, have experienced severe trauma. And these are kids that need a sense of belonging, a sense of of love and connectedness. And so if we can make sure that, first of all, they have a safe place to be, second of all, to reconnect them with those biological families that, that need our help as well, um, and really focus on, on those 
have creating a caring community around those children. Um, and then the third focus area is again, something super dear to my heart, uh, unified sports with the special Olympics, because this is a way for kids with all abilities to really connect through the power of sport. And, um, so we're going to try really hard to make sure that every child in Utah has the opportunity to, to be able to connect with their peers in this way. Um, and so we want these programs throughout the state. Uh, and then last is service. We, we, um, and service sort of connects all of us together in really powerful ways that, that develop that sense of community, that develop that empathy that, you know, if I serve at the YWCA, I'm going to sit here and listen to somebody's story that I, I have never experienced. And it's, it's really a beautiful way to, again, bring that idea of connectedness and belonging um, throughout all these parts of the initiative. That's excellent. And again, so intentional, right? You really, I can tell you gave um, a lot of thought to how you can have an impact based on your priorities, your background, what you know, what you believe, and what you maybe see needs some attention. Yeah. You know, Special Olympics, uh, foster children, et cetera. It's it's really nice. So thank you for being so thoughtful about that. I mean, you are in this for another three and a half years, right? At least Um, your husband was elected for four years. So that gives you a four year runway from the day he took office to accomplish. Right. And I can tell you're. you're probably measuring what's next and <laughs> we are or, and seeing with your teams how you yeah. can um, move the needle in these important spaces. So, yeah, um, you know, when uh, given my special education background, it's all about uh, measurable, uh, achievable goals. <laughs> and we're looking for those in each of these areas. Um, you know, we're we're keeping track, we're keeping data, but we're also, you know, really making sure that we're. Um, having an influence in in really strong ways. I mean, for instance, we brought together nonprofit, uh, faith based community, and, as well as um, the public sector uh, agencies in a huge meeting about foster care, which had never happened before. Yeah, that's amazing. And and so, I mean, you yeah. know, from a government point of yeah. view. How rare that is. Right. Well, I found in my time in office, whether council member or now, sometimes you think somebody's doing something and then you learn they're not. And you're like, well, okay, I'll have the meeting. And then it turns into something. Right. I mean, I think uh, there's always space for doing something different, doing something that hasn't been done, asking the questions. Is this even being done? And um, of course, you know, there are intentional um, leaders around foster care, of course. Yes. But the idea that you can convene and supercharge that and make um, that uh, even more uh, successful through conversation engagement, that's that's amazing. Yeah. And I think um, what I didn't realize before, but that I realized that I know now getting into this is that I have an opportunity because of the 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 office that I can shine a spotlight on something that maybe I didn't have the power to do before. Um, And so, you know, if I can shine a spotlight even on the amazing work that foster families are doing, uh, you know, I, through a lot of the stuff we've been doing, I have had so many family members, you know, uh, foster parents, 
biological parents, um, workers, caseworkers say to me, we've, we didn't know anybody cared. Yeah. And I, you know, and teachers, the same thing. Um, when we talk about, you know, honoring our educators and really giving them the tools to, to really take care of themselves and their own mental health, like they, I've had teachers say, nobody has ever, you know, told me that I, I had permission to feel this way at this, you know, right now. And, and I think you're validating them, yes, you're thanking yeah. them, you're letting them know how much, you know, people, well, there are so many unsung heroes in our community, right? And you've named a couple of fields where, of course, the, the things that happen in a classroom that mom and dad don't even know about in terms yeah. of engagement and how a teacher can step in and change a child's life. I mean, we've heard those stories. We know that. But it happens every day in the classroom. Yeah. And, you know, a foster family, it, it they're changing lives. And the workers who choose that field and day in, day out, um, put themselves um, sometimes at emotional risk, they need yes. to be acknowledged. So I get it. You're doing that is amazing. Yeah. And no, and I say that I think you're doing that as well. I mean, you, because of the office, you have a, a powerful voice and, and what I think we can do uh, people in, in these positions, I think it's incumbent upon us to elevate and give that opportunity and and give away the the power or 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 embolden or encourage or empower someone else to to do what they can do in their communities and then i think the just like we see the ripple effect of of negativity and um divisiveness i think and maybe i'm too optimistic. I don't know, but regardless, this is this is where <laughs> no, we're at. this is where we I'm like at because I choose to be in this yeah. this space. But I think I truly believe we have the power to do the same in a positive way. Right, that we can actually evoke some change in in our communities, like real change around empathy and positivity and connection. That um. You know, I think so, that we have the obligation to do that because of the positions we're in. Well, if you hadn't have cared and thought and driven um, your team to work with you on that and then run with it, who would have, right? Yeah. And it, there was a void. I mean, there, and now you've stepped in. Of course, there's a void right now in this era to have intentional work in that space. And I think I'm overusing that word intentional, but <laughs> it's one that's come to mind with me and my own team. It's like we've got to continue to be intentional. And for me right now, you know, I hear and I reflect on your show up initiative. I feel like Salt Lake County needs to continue to show up because Salt Lake County for a long time has been because we have a larger population, that means more resources, that means more people working than some of our um, smaller counties and communities. We've been a leader and we we set the mark often for our state. And if we don't, as Salt Lake County, show up when it comes to speaking out for the refugees that will be coming um, and continue to come from places from around the world, but now from Afghanistan, as your husband has, yeah. by the way, and I compliment him, but we have to show up as Salt Lake County for those people. And we need to show up from somebody who's suffering um, by, because they don't feel um, they're included in our community. And Salt Lake County standing up and showing up has been really important for me. And sharing that message and really supporting 
the um, the various divisions and departments at Salt Lake County who deliver in the community and letting them know that I'm backing them so that they can show up for others in the community. That's been one thing that I've tried to be, again, that word intentional about um, in this time of division, time of challenge, time of, you know, everything's been turned upside down due to COVID. And of course, we will continue to fight and protect our community as it relates to health. But there's so much else to that. There's our mental health around that. There's our economic health. There's so many things that are different. And I've had to tell and encourage everyone that I see and know and work with, like, we have to continue to show up. Um, because again, there's a gap there if we're not there. So you filled that gap um, with your initiatives right now, and we'll continue as Salt Lake County to to battle and try and battle through some of the challenges and continue to hopefully have some progress in these areas as well. Yeah, no, and I love what you you know you 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 touched on a point of of us you know taking in people maybe that or, or not taking in is maybe not the word, but um really reaching out and connecting with people that maybe haven't, you know, like, like refugees, like our homeless uh, population. And, and it doesn't hurt me. In fact, it, it helps me in so many ways. If I reach out and I lift and I, and I communicate with somebody that has a different story, it's actually brings us together as a community. Um, it, it, I think sometimes we get the mistaken idea that, if resources are being allocated to someone from another country coming in, it's taking from us, and it really isn't. And I think it's it's kind of beautiful when we, as a as a community, as faith based organizations, as government, and as private sector, we we all work together to lift people up. We're all being lifted, and I think that's a beautiful concept. Yeah, and Utah, I think, is known for its welcome, welcoming way. And we are at Salt Lake County, certainly. And I think that's very much who we are as a people, regardless of whether or not, you know, I'm a fifth generation Utah, and I think you have roots in Utah that go way back. Or, you know, people who just showed up, um, I'm using the term again, showed up. Well, I'm but, happy you're using show up. <laughs> but people who came here for work or um, family or whatever reason and are here um, more recently as recent residents, um, we are a welcoming community. And I think that's very much part of, um, our identity. I, I believe that too. Um, I, I also, I just, I want to touch on before we, we end too, um, I, I want to talk about your background. Um, you, you did just mention that you're, you're fifth generation Utah, but I think people would be really interested to, to know, uh, your, maybe your political background as far as like, the the things you've been doing. First of all, I did I did read that you are part of Friends of Utah, which you know we've connected with them through the mentoring program, and and we just we love what they're doing, and they're connecting with a lot of our stuff at Show Up. But um, talk to, talk to me a little bit about your we we talked off air a little bit about you being the chief of staff for Congressman Bill Orton, and this I told you the story of my dad. He I remember Bill because he visited my dad on our farm. Mind you, that's a ways yeah. to go to visit a state delegate. I believe my dad was a state delegate at that time. And I remember him sitting there in the barn uh, visiting with my dad. Uh, uh, yeah, that was Bill. I, I think, yeah, just again, that that connectedness. But tell me a little bit about your experience with with Bill and as well as, as some of your other um, background. Well, I grew up in politics. My dad was the Salt Lake City mayor from 1976 to 80, early 80s, um, mid 80s. And so high school, even 
elementary school, I think he was first elected. And so I was um, very exposed to Salt Lake City in the 70s and 80s through dad's eyes as the mayor. And I think part of like one of the reasons your civility initiative really resonates with me is that's what I remember my dad doing regardless. He was um, a very active um, athlete. He was a, he ran fast marathons in the day. I don't think he was winning them, but he ran marathons. He was a rock climber, mountain climber, rescue climber in the Tetons. And then he was um, an active Democrat, but he was always in our home. Everyone was welcome. And I think I'm used to that. And I inherited a lot of that. Well, let's come together and let's problem solve regardless of our backgrounds. So that was my upbringing. My mom, a small business owner, um, big heart, very, um, she always, the mantra in my family was be responsible. So that we, my I brothers and sisters and I, we all laugh about it because we could, you know, we'd come home and we'd say, well, the teacher did this or that. And my parents would say, no, what is your responsibility in this? Right. <laughs> I love that. So we so grew much. up with that and um, learned a lot from them and arts and athletics and skiing and climbing and all that. That was very much part of our upbringing. But um, I didn't think I would. Um, I never had occurred to me as a child that I would end up working in politics. But um, my first job, I got a check on my dad's um, campaign or yeah, campaign in 1988. I was graduating college from the University of Utah and I had studied mass communication. So I remember getting an $800 check probably every month from the campaign for actually working on the campaign. Wow. So um, we didn't pay our kids. I know. I know. I, thought, I don't know if that's, I guess that's legal because it much, wasn't though. government money. But yeah, but no, I showed up every day. I wrote those press releases. I traveled the state. And then later I became the chief of staff to Bill Orton. He represented a lot of rural Utah. So that was my great experience statewide was to go to you know, maybe I was there that day. I know. Went to the farm it, for it all could I know. have been. It could have um, been. I was with him, with Bill, from 92-ish to 96. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then later I ran for the Salt Lake County Council. And one, I had gone off and received a degree, a master's degree from Harvard's Kennedy School. And at that point, I was like, oh, I could go do some work overseas or I could. I mean, it's a great experience. And yeah. I ended up wanting to come home. And uh, not long after, I met my husband. Uh, we have two kids. And after I met Trell, my husband, we ended up, uh, I ended up running for the county council, a great part-time job to manage young kids. And then when Ben McAdams won his congressional seat, became mayor mm-hmm. um, and have loved that job since. So that's the quick yeah, Jenny Wilson no, resume. <laughs> so amazing. And I think, um, you know, we all need to look around and see who as women, who we can encourage to, to get involved and, and to yeah, run. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, every time I read the statistics, they're not getting that much better. It's about one in five women in government, 20% must, plus minus. Um, sometimes we have a good year and we'll see more women come in. Um, I had the opportunity running for the U.S. Senate a few years back of spending a lot of time with the female U.S. senators, the Democratic U.S. senators. And I learned a lot about um, their challenge, even in this era, um, women in the U.S. Senate, and there's still some level of, um, you know, I don't know if discrimination is too strong a word, but we we really need 
to let women know um, that it's a great experience to be engaged, whether it's supporting, in your case, your husband's important um, moment in this critical time for our state, mine as mayor, um, running for school board, running for whatever is your passion, there's an avenue in politics for you, I can tell you that, um, or community action in some way. Yeah, I, it's just such an important important thing. Um, let's we're we're probably getting to the end of our time, but um, I'm an avid reader, as as most of the podcast listeners know. What what's on your nightstand? What are you what are you reading now? I'm reading The Night Watchman, mm. um, which is a I think it's a uh, I want to say it's a Pulitzer Prize book. I'm not 100 percent sure. Well, that wouldn't be right, but it's a prize winning book about. Um, life on a Native American reservation years ago. Mm. And it tells a story of the youth. I'm not that far into it, but it's really say, good. I, I start writing. I start and writing night, it down. That's my Yeah, the Night Watchman is managing a um, jewelry polishing plant. Okay. Um, and you get the perspective of the community. Um, and I that's all I know because I'm not that far into it. Oh wow! <laughs> but I'm enjoying it. Oh, so so. But I'm trying. I mean, for the longest time, I didn't read. I mean, mm. I'll be honest. Policy books, um, COVID dashboards. Um, it was. It's been a hard eighteen plus months. And oh yeah. And finally, like I just had to get back to it. My husband's like, I haven't seen you picking up as many books as you used to. Yeah. So I also want to go back to the classics because I felt like I read some great books in high school and I hear people quoting lines and I'll be like, oh, I yeah, I, I actually did that. back to that. I did a lot of that. First of all, on Audible, they're they're very cheap or free. Um, so I did a ton of those because I did the same thing. I thought, you know, my North Sampiet education was good. But <laughs> the way you said that, I bet it was awesome. Was Think what? No, no, no. You know things. I actually had a really incredible. A Salt Lake City girl from East High could never know. Like, I want to come to your farm and I'm going to send my kids there too. Yes, I know. I'm a pretty tough it. taskmaster. But, um, but no, I do. I, there were a lot that I, I'm the same way. I'm like, I think I missed that. And yeah. so I actually started going back and reading a lot of these classics and fell in love with with so many of them, yeah. I mean, I think the Count of Monte Cristo has to be one of my all time favorites that oh, I awesome. that I read in the last few years. But I, it's it's wonderful. But yeah, that's that's what I started doing. Yeah. And like, what are you reading now? Before we wrap up, what I'm reading right now is more than a body, and mm-hmm. it's about um, because I think we have the authors coming on our pod- podcast in a few weeks, but they are two uh, twins. Women who are PhDs and they're writing all about um, what our girls, what we grow up thinking about our bodies and how we need to reshape um, what society thinks about women and their bodies. Um, Just really powerful stuff about self-objectification as well as other people objectifying women's bodies and just a really fascinating read. Again, I'm I'm just getting into it. But um, I have a 14-year-old daughter, so it's top of mind yeah. right now. And how I talk to her and how we how I talk about myself, uh, really, really fascinating uh, stuff. And I'm, I'm really rethinking a lot of things. 
Well, we could go on for an hour yeah. on that topic alone, right. yeah. which we won't. But, um, <laughs> you know, you mentioned your 14-year-old daughter and the importance for her. It's important for every 14-year-old daughter or 12-year-old or 16-year-old in the state. So, again, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. It's It's been really, again, like I love books because I I think we live in a world of, you know, 240 characters or whatever it is on Twitter. Um, and it we're just not diving down into really important things. Again, I, I mentioned Adam Grant's think again, that was another one that just completely changed the way I think. Um, obviously rethinking, <laughs> I'm rethinking everything. Um, but it's, it, I think it's powerful. I think we need to get away from the little snippets of, of headlines and really dive into two important topics that, that can really shape the way we, we address the world. Excellent. Well, I think we found a lot of common ground and we're going to continue to show up. So thank you. (laughs) And I loved having this community conversation. So thank you, Jenny. Thanks.